grieving. It is a, it's a good thing to be here with you guys tonight. This is where I want to be, and I'm glad that you guys wanted to be here as well. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of Romans, chapter 16. Romans, chapter 16. And actually, we'll, we'll look at uh, a, a similar command from 2 Corinthians, chapter 13, 12. It's the same command, and uh, we'll stay with the Romans one just to keep it simple. We don't have to turn pages as many times. But Romans 16, verses 16. Romans 16, 16. Paul writes in Romans 16, 16, Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. And then the 2 Corinthians 13 passage is this. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. I'm reasonably sure that as you're sitting there, one of two questions or one of two thoughts are coming into your head. The first is, where is he going to go with this one? And maybe the second one is, yes, they gave it to the youth pastor. Certainly, this is one of those passages that teenage boys learn early on in their life, just in case they meet that special girl and they want to greet her. I don't think that, this, that that's what this passage is about, but they do try. In both of these passages, in Romans and 2 Corinthians, Paul is addressing believers. And both of these passages come at the very end of these letters. And, and Paul's really sure who he's talking to at this point. He, he's confident with, uh, about their standing before God. He's confident that they love God, they trust God, they adore Him, that they, they want to serve Him with their life. And so he, he's, he's read them this letter, or he's written them this letter, and he finishes with this command. And it is a command. Greet one another with a holy kiss. These people are changed by the gospel, meaning that they were once separated from God, they were once living in darkness, and they were once not God's people. But now that through the gospel, they are in Christ. They are part of his people. They have received mercy, as we see in 1 Peter chapter 2. And so while all these people have confronted the gospel on an individual level and responded to it personally, their personal response creates a community of people who responded personally, right? When we respond to the gospel personally, we enter into a body or a gathering of people who have come to know and to love Jesus Christ. That is what the church is. It is the gathering of people who have come to know and love Jesus Christ. And they are the people who are unified or united by that very truth. And because we have been joined into this community, we are called to live in a very particular way, aren't we? It's a, a gospel-centered way. And it's really what we've been looking at in our Sunday night services for the past, oh, it's probably over a year now, but I don't know. It's the call to live with one another in a, a gospel way. And so we've been looking at these one another passages. Love one another, care for one another, agree with one another. And here Paul is calling us that there is a very particular way that we as believers are to greet one another. And it's with 
a holy kiss. A kiss was a common way to greet someone you were familiar with, someone in your family or someone of equal status in society with you. It would not have been uh, unusual for this command to have been given on its face. It was a, a common way to greet someone, but what Paul is asking for is for believers to look at all the other people in the gathering, the people in their social class, the people that are close to them, and the people outside of their social class. It was to look at all believers as being co-equal with you, co-heirs, siblings even. It would be that when two believers of different social levels, economic levels, races would meet, the work of Christ was so significant, so powerful that they could greet each other as siblings. So that the rich young woman could greet the elderly beggar in the body with a holy kiss. That the Roman soldier could greet the foreign slave with a holy kiss. Now this is scandalous, really. In a, a society like that, they, they had very strict codes of who you could greet and who you couldn't, how you could greet them and how you shouldn't. This was a radical change in their world. But the call of the gospel is that there would be no divisions between male and female, Jew nor Greek, slave or free, and the people of God. All these outside divisions, all these things that separate us as people are removed in the work of the gospel. There is no distinction in the church. We're not to separate ourselves and divide ourselves between those people and us, the inside people and the outside people. So much so that you ought to greet the most difficult person in your church in the same manner with which you would greet your sibling. Why? Because they are your sibling in Christ, aren't they? Through Jesus Christ, they are your brother and your sister in Christ. But let's be clear here, this holy kiss is not a, a romantic gesture in any way. This is not something romantic. It was holy meaning it was set apart. It was set apart for those people who had been gathered up into Christ as adopted children of God. One commentator put it like this, it, it was a public declaration of the affirmation of faith. A public affirmation, or a public declaration of the affirmation of faith. It, it's similar almost to baptism, isn't it? When we're baptized, it's a public affirmation that we are coming into this body, that we are going to join with these people in worshiping God and caring for these people. And so this holy kiss was a daily reminder that every time they met together, it was declaring to all the people around, we trust in the gospel. So when people would see this holy kiss, they'd be like, oh, those two people, those are gospel people. It was a specific, significant unique greeting for the people of God in the church. I think this greeting is also a greeting that requires something from us personally, doesn't it? It requires vulnerability and it requires trust. I mean, if you have to get someone to get close enough to kiss someone, they can take something from you, they can grab you, they can beat you. You have to be able to trust someone to receive a kiss from them or to give a kiss. Which is why I think when we read 
the crucifixion story and Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss, we should be just absolutely shocked by that. That the most trustworthy act someone could do would be allowed to be allowed to kiss them, and yet that is the very act in which Jesus was betrayed. It was a complete, utter betrayal of Jesus' trust. So what is this for us? Where, where do we go with this? Do I, do I have you stand up and turn around and greet the person behind you? I thought about that. But as I considered it, I think that might be letting you off the hook. I think that's the easy way out. It is easier to greet someone with a kiss than what I think the heart of this passage is trying to teach us. So what does this passage from Romans teach us here in St. John's now in 2023? How do we greet our brothers and sisters in the same way that Paul called them to some 2,000 years ago? First, we make no distinctions. In this gathering, in this family, we make no distinctions or divisions based upon physical differences, social differences, parenting differences, schooling differences, political differences, life stage differences, Facebook post differences. Forbid it that we would allow something from the outside world to come into this family and cause division and disunity. Those sort of differences ought to be tossed away because the power of the gospel has not brought us in so that we could stay in our own little huddles, but it has brought us together to be one body, one family, one local part of the body of Christ. And if Christ has made us one, how dare we make divisions? Two, when there is conflict that would cause divisions, or if there's conflict, there is always conflict, between you and another person, you have an obligation to go and make things right with that person. You have a responsibility to live in a way that every time you meet and gather this body, you have the conscience and the ability to greet everyone in the same manner. So if you come into this body, or come into this building, and you're just dreading, oh man, I hope I don't bump into that person, that's a problem. You can't greet someone with a holy kiss if you're dreading meeting them. See, our unity in Christ is so important that we ought to lay down our offenses at the feet of the cross and say, man, I'm hurt by this, but man, I love Jesus. And I love Jesus, and he loves Jesus. And they've offended me, but we both love Jesus, and I want to keep the unity. And so maybe that means we confront them and say, man, my feelings are hurt here. Perhaps it means that we just say, you know, they love Jesus, and I know that their intention was not to hurt my feelings, and I have to trust that in this case, they probably didn't mean to do it. This is what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13. He says, love always hopes. We hope the best in our brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we assume the best intentions from them. We are always to hope the best of people, and we are always called to to make things right. We don't want to cause any sort of disunity in the body with one another. We want to be able to greet one another with this gospel greeting. Number three. When we greet, I think we ought to greet honestly and openly. How often 
you get to church and someone says, hey, how are you doing today? And in your head, you're thinking, this is the third outfit I've put on today because my kids spilled food on it. I am four minutes post an argument with my spouse. I have just spent 15 minutes dragging a crying child to the car, buckling him in and listening to him on the way to church. And we're supposed to say, fine, I'm good. How are you? How is that honest or helpful? I think this call is a call to vulnerability with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Perhaps we don't tell them the truth because we don't want to bother them or we don't want to burden that person. Perhaps it's just because we want to look better than we actually are. I think this call here is an encouragement to greet one another with vulnerability and honesty. With the people in this family, this gathering, we, we have to trust them. We have to be willing to open ourselves up to them to the point where if someone wanted to use what we shared with them against us, we'd have to be okay with that. We'd have to be okay with the gossip and slander. Not that we expect that from them, but because in a family, you tell the truth. You say when you're hurting, you, you weep with those who weep and you rejoice with those who rejoice. You're honest with your family. And the truth is, this is our family. There's no pretenses here. No one's perfect. No one's doing all that well. We all have to live in the same fallen, sinful, broken world together. So things are not just always okay. We're to greet each other with a holy kiss in a, a gospel way. We do it not to get something from them, but that in Christ we are called to care for, pray for, and encourage one another in the gospel. And if we're not telling each other the truth when we're greeting each other, how are they going to know how to care for, pray for, and encourage us? If you ask me, this, this really does sound harder than asking you to stand up and turn around and kiss the person behind you. It's harder to look past these differences. It's harder to, to be vulnerable with people when you're having a hard time. It's hard to, to assume the best intentions on people. It's hard to, to go up and approach and, and pursue the person that we like least or that we sh- have the hardest time with. It's harder, isn't it? It's a higher call. So how is it that we are able to come into this body and have that same attitude towards everyone, even the person that smells, even to me? That's hard for some of you. I do smell. I had a smelly lunch. You're right. I agree. That's really funny. (laughs) This command from Paul comes at the tail end of both of these letters. The basis for the Christian to live in such a countercultural, vulnerable way is Jesus. See, Jesus himself didn't let our own stinkiness, our own sinfulness, keep him from coming down to us and greeting us. Rather than keeping his distance, keeping himself comfortable, keeping himself protected, what did he do? He came into earth as the weakest thing possible. He grew up with us. He walked 
with people. He talked with them. He greeted them. Jesus, God in the flesh, greeted us with a holy kiss. Came to earth with a desire that God could once again dwell with his people forever. Came to earth, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, was buried in a tomb for three days. Because he wanted us. On the third day, he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. In the work of Jesus Christ, God is welcoming us into his presence. And it's not because we're his friends. It's not because we're so impressive. It's not because he needs us. God welcomes us because of his grace. Because of his love for us. We are able to come into God's presence, not because we deserve it, not because we smell good, but because of what he has done on our behalf. And so we don't greet people in this manner because they deserve it. We don't greet them because they can help us. We don't greet them because it even makes us look good to God. We greet them in this manner because this is precisely the way that God has greeted us. This is precisely the way that God has loved us. And so we love them and greet them in the same manner in which God has done for us. And in the gospel, we have a, a real unity and a real relationship with all believers that calls, a, calls me to greet them in love, familiar, familiarity, and trust. Much more than that, I, I have more in common with a believer in Peru than I do with a non-believer three houses down from me. Why? Because in Jesus Christ, a, a supernatural change has changed my heart. I've gone from spiritually dead to spiritually, spiritually alive, and the same thing is true about that believer in Peru. We have a, a unity in Christ together, and we are called to fight for and defend and greet one another in this special way. See, the gospel frees us to live in a manner that is pleasing to God. Tonight, I want to encourage you as scripture does, to greet one another. Greet one another in a, a gospel way. Greet one another with love in your hearts for the one who has died for you. Greet one another in deep desire for the unity and relationship we have through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, how amazing it is, how wonderful it is that you condescended and came to earth to us. You greeted us as undeserving enemies of you. And you came with love and mercy and grace. And you are so wonderful for it. May we as your people Saved by your mercy and grace, turn to you and love you. And as we love you, may we love the people that you've placed in this body, this family. As this family seeks to love one another, may we. represent your name, your kingdom, and your gospel well.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what we're going to do is, uh, I will pray again for our dinner. I forgot to do that with uh, the last prayer. But what I'll do is we'll go out and we'll head down the hallway and, and go into the gym. There's food in there for all of us. Even if you weren't preparing to stay, feel free to stay. Um, and we'll join together and greet one another. Uh, in whatever manner you feel is appropriate. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, thank you for this family. Thank you for this time that we could spend together as a family and sharing in food and laughter together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys may go eat.